2 Kings chapter 5. A few things I want to say about this passage and we'll be done for the day as far as the worship service is concerned. To Blake, I really appreciate the reading in the book of Revelation, the fourth chapter. It's been one of my favorites for a long time. Here are the elders in heaven. And sometimes human beings think we're something when we're not. And I, I have always loved the fact that they cast their crowns before the Lamb. We don't deserve it. He does. And He ought to be the focus point of our worship service and the entirety of our life. I want to talk with you for a little while. Alright. From the book of Second Kings, I will say to Johnny and Donna, next time you're going to have this many family members here, let us know and we'll reserve three or four rows instead of two. They're kind of climbing all over each other, but uh, I won't take too long this morning. Thank you all for being here and for all others visiting with us as well. We just appreciate your presence today. Um, I'm persuaded that God throughout the Bible has sprinkled little glimpses of the coming age uh, from the Old Testament down to the New when Christ will sit on the throne. And this is going to be salvation is from the Lord and we understand from the New Testament that he's kind of talking about baptism and church membership and things like that. And, and I realize this is coming some 2,000 years in the future, but it's in the book of 2 Kings chapter 5. And I just want to read through it. It just amazes me how so much of it is, is relevant in our age today. Naaman, and I'm not going to read the entire passage with you, but I will look at a few of these verses. Chapter 5, verse 1, Now Naaman, captain of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man with his master and highly respected because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man was a valiant warrior, but he was a leper. And I don't know if we understand what that means, but he was a leper. Uh, it's a debilitating disease that starts, I think, with uh, the, the nerve endings being damaged and you can injure a finger or a toe or a spot on your leg or back. And, and without the nerve being there, you won't even realize it. And it gets infected and it gets worse and worse. And it was a, a horrible disease in that first century. Uh, in that time in, in the book of Second Kings chapter 5. Uh, it's almost like saying he has cancer. We hear those words and it just strikes all the way through us. It's fatal. There's nothing you can do about it. Parts of your body are going to fall off. Just things like that. But he was a leper. He's a great man. He is the captain, which means the general of the army of the king of Syria. And he's done great. God has done great things by him. And he's a fantastic kind of man. But he was a leper. And it just seems to me that that concept of being a leper is going to infect the entirety of his life. And it does. What about us? I kind of portray ourselves, each one of us back there. He's a good man. He's a great man. And you'll see things like this said of other characters in the New Testament as well. There's Cornelius who is described as a, a devout man. A godly man. But, he's not a Christian yet. We look at ourselves, and I think we need to be aware of our flaws. 
We all have them. Sometimes they're natural. We may have a, a, a disease that disfigures our face. We may have something that disfigures our body. It, it may be an emotional problem, but we all have problems. Every last one of us, physical, mental, emotional, some kind of problem affects every one of us. But He was a leper, but I'm not. I am whole. And I will tell you that we need to recognize our need. To me, there's no person more difficult to approach with the Gospel of Jesus Christ than the one who is already satisfied with himself. We look at everybody around us and we can pick their flaws out. We'll pick them out to pieces occasionally. But we won't look at ourselves in the mirror to see our problem how low we are in the sight of God. And I don't always agree with some of the songs in our book. Um, the words have been changed from one book to another. If you've been around for a while, you understand what they are. Such a worm as I. Am I a worm? No. We'll change that to such a one as I. Well, we are lowly in the sight of God. As He from heaven looks down on us, and He sees our flaws, our faults, more clearly than we do, we need to realize that I disappoint not just myself, but I can disappoint God. I mean, I don't have to read in the book of Romans, the third chapter, the 23rd verse, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Now, you understand that's true. We're not up to the glory of God. We may not be worms, but we're not up there either. And I can read in the 6th chapter, the 23rd verse, where it says, The wages of sin is death. I, I want to read this passage in the book of 1 John with you because it's just so meaningful to me in, in so many ways. 1 John chapter 1. Read with me beginning in verse 8. If we say that we have no sin... We're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if I say, I, I really haven't done anything wrong. I, I'm not a sinner. We make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. Now, John is not saying that there are people out there that think they're perfect. We just don't recognize the problems that we have. We don't see our difficulties the way we ought to see them. Naaman was a good man. He was the captain, the general, if you will, of the army of the king of Syria. And God had given many victories to the Syrians because of him, but he was a leper. And I think every one of us needs to see in ourselves our great need. Naaman could see his. It faced him in a mirror. It faced him in a pool of water. He had leprosy and he knew he had it. And he needed to have something done about it. We are sinners. We need to have something done about that. Now, I, I think in this lesson, I want all of us to see ourselves. We're not Naaman. We're, we're in there somewhere and you might find yourself in there a couple of times. I, I kind of like the plan of salvation the way God has designed it because everybody here has a part in it. There are two significant characters in the book of 2 Kings chapter 5. The little girl 
is the first one. And she's a, a very thoughtful kind of person who knows what's going on, who sees her master, and she starts the whole process. She said, I wish that he knew of the man of God in Israel. He could heal Naomi. You can be that little girl. I taught school once a long time ago, substitute teacher. Uh, we lived in Florida, and I was president of the PTA, and there was a great need for substitute teachers, and dumb me, I volunteered for it. I didn't understand that you're basically a babysitter, that you don't get to teach anything. Uh, anyway, they, they, I, I kind of volunteered at school where two of our kids went. But they sent me all over the county because the list is made countywide. And I was out at some little country school one time. And I was teaching in, I think it was a fifth grade class. And about time for lunch, I was going to dismiss the class to go to lunch. And when I did, one little girl walked up to the desk and she looked at me and said, Do you know Jesus? And I was glad to say to her, Yes, ma'am, I do. Can you say to somebody, do you know Jesus? I wish that my master knew about the prophet that's in Israel. We've got a part to play in this plan of salvation. Naaman is a leper and he's going to be a leper from now on until he finds out about Elisha. Now there are a lot of people that you'll talk to about the Son of God. And you'll feel like you've wasted your time. There are a lot of people that are preached to who never respond. They have no desire to respond. But there has never been anybody saved who didn't first hear this part of the message. Do you know Jesus? It's not about the premillennial plan. It's not about the rapture. It's not about, it's not about a lot of things. It's about the Son of God. And we may not be Bible scholars, but we know something about the Son of God. And I can say, I believe that Jesus is His Son. And if you can say that, then you can save a soul. The next person in this story was the servant. Naaman hears what he needs to do. And his back gets up about it. He didn't tell me the things I thought he was going to do. He, he, he said, I, I thought the prophet was going to come out and wave his hands all over the place and, you know, kind of do like witch doctors do in some of the shows that you'll see on TV. And just make a big to-do. And all, in fact, Elisha didn't come out at all. What he did was send a servant. You go tell him to dip seven times in the River Jordan and he'll be healed. That's not what I wanted to hear. Now I'm going to talk to you in a minute about this folly of coming to God with preconceived ideas. I know how God's going to save me. I know how God has always saved people. Naaman could have said, I know how to heal leprosy. Well, he doesn't because he still has it. But I thought, but I thought, he's going to do it my way. And God doesn't always work in our way. 
And the servant came up to him, his servant now, and said, if he had bid you do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? If you had cancer or leprosy, what would you do to get rid of it? Almost anything. They weren't preachers, but they knew enough. Now you can read in the Bible about things like this in the 10th chapter of the book of Romans. Paul kind of runs through this. How can they hear without a preacher? How can they preach except they be sent? We have to understand the importance of our role in this whole thing. Paul was an apostle. He was an apostle because he saw Jesus on the road to Damascus in a vision. But that didn't make him a Christian. What made him a Christian was they told him to go into the city and somebody will come and tell you what you need to do to be saved. In the Bible, you'll find every person who is saved is somehow taught. It may be, Acts the 8th chapter, verse 30, uh, the Ethiopian unit going down the road reading in his Bible uh, and, and Philip can join himself to it and, and say, do you understand what you're reading? Well, I've just read it. Of course I understand. No, we need a teacher, somebody to introduce us to the subject. We need that. And I have a part in this great plan of salvation. There's something I can do to save any soul. I can just ask, do you believe in Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Are you a child of God? Now, a lot of people will send someone else. Ananias is going to come and tell Paul what he has to do to be saved. But there's something every one of us can do in this process. Now, I believe in this as well. Uh, the prophet said to him, go dip seven times in the river of Jordan. And I kind of smile when I say this. Can you count to seven? That's the hardest part about the whole thing, isn't it? To be able to count to seven. And the answer to that is no. That's not the hardest part. The hardest part is to yield, to trust, to give up. Do you trust people? I kind of do and I kind of don't all at the same time. I think every human being has disappointed every other human being in the world. We didn't mean to, we just did. Some little thing we said, some little thing we did, they don't trust us implicitly. I'm not asking you to trust the preacher. I'm not asking you to trust the Bible class teacher. I'm asking you to trust God. Does God know what He's doing? Now, you, you can probably recite the first part of the book of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Did He? I believe that He did. Exactly like the book of Genesis portrays for us. Do I trust Him with my soul? Yeah, I do. I'm not sure I trust Him with my obedience. Trust God. That's the hard part about this. Now, you can read in the book of Acts, the third, the second chapter, verse 38, Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, 
Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We know the verse and we can recite the verse and, and things like that. I, I don't know that we really look at it that this came from God. This came from God. Peter said to them, but Peter didn't originate these words. They originated with God. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, Peter said, in Acts the 22nd chapter, and this is Paul uh, recounting for those people what he did in order to receive the forgiveness of his sins. Ananias looked at him and said, What are you waiting for? Why tarriest thou? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins. Calling on the name of the Lord. Now, you have to understand by the time you get to 22.16, uh, Paul has gone into the city and he's fasted and prayed for three days. Okay? What would it take to get you not to eat anything for three days? I think it'd be a pretty significant event. And I've been praying for three days. It seems like in three days you ought to be able to pray through to God and He'd forgive your sins. But Saul is still in his sins. What are you waiting for? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins because that's what God wants you to do. Calling on Him for the salvation that He's promised. In Galatians 3, 26 and 7, somebody read these verses earlier. Uh, we're children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put Him on. Well, if I've been saved by faith, what do I have to be baptized? Baptism is a part of faith. You can see all of this. God said, do it this way. And the hardest part of the cure is to give yourself to God in the way God wants you to. And that's difficult. And now we come up with the quibbles. Uh, was he one-seventh saved from his leprosy when he came up out of the water the first time? And can't you just see the sores beginning to heal the second time a little bit more, the third time a little bit more, and the fourth time? By the fifth time, I'm going to say, have you ever gone to the doctor and gotten a prescription for medicine and he said, now I want you to take all of this, okay? Take it all. I did that once a long time ago. I, I don't go to the doctor very often. Uh, he said, take it all. And went to the pharmacist to get the prescription filled and written on the bottle was, take it all. Don't take one tablet and think you're a little bit better and by the time you get to the fourth or fifth one, you're going to be okay. Take it all. Take it all. And it seems to me that if we trust God the way we ought to trust God, we won't stop short. We won't. We'll do things the way God wants us to do them exactly. And here again, you come with the human complications. I just don't understand how dipping in the Jordan River is going to heal me. It doesn't make sense. I don't understand how this is going to save me. And now again, it's in the text. You can read through the book of 2 Kings chapter 5. And you will see this statement according to the saying of the man of God. Now your translation may read a little bit different, but that's the way it says it in mine. According to the saying of the man of God. 
I want you to be saved, and here's how you're going to do it. Paul comes along later in Romans 1.16, and he says, now, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God to salvation. To everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. I'm not ashamed of the, the gospel of Christ, the gospel of God. According to the saying of the man of God, the power is not in the preacher. We're nothing special. Some are better than others, but when it comes right down to it, we're nothing special. We're a mouthpiece for God. God said, do it this way. The power is not in the church. No church can come along and bestow salvation. The church is made up of the saved. It doesn't dispense the salvation. God does that. According to the saying of the man of God, Jesus said, Mark chapter 16, verse 15 and 16, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20, I, I want you apostles to go out and teach the gospel to every living creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. I want you to keep on teaching them once they've been saved. Jesus said that. Now, Paul will say it, and Peter will say it, and different characters in the New Testament will say it, but it comes down to Jesus said, according to the saying of the man of God. And we come up with all these preconceived ideas, and Naaman's going to argue with them in there uh, about this very concept. Are not the rivers in Syria, Damascus, better than rivers? Do you understand how muddy the Jordan River is? It is not pure water. It is not holy water. I have friends that come back from over there and they'll bring a little bit of bottle of water that they got out of the Jordan River, and I think. <laughs> Why don't you just go out in the backyard and dip some out of a mud puddle? If I go back home, those rivers are better. They're cleaner. They're pure. Do you know what would have happened if Elisha had looked at him and said, you need to go home and dip seven times in the Havana or the Farpar. He probably would have said about that time, why can't I just go to the Jordan? It's so much closer. It's going to take me three weeks to get back home, and I don't want to wait that long. I want to be healed right now. We can quibble about everything. I've had people argue with me about baptism that you have to be dipped backwards, you can't dip somebody forwards. And I will tell you that I baptized a man one time, I just lifted him up. We were in the water, and he was a fairly young man, 17, 18, 19, and his knees just gave way and he just sank straight down. And all I did was pick him up. I had a woman one time, and I usually tell people, I'm gonna pinch your nose just before you go under, just catch a deep breath and I'll hold your nose. And she did. She held her breath until she went under the water and then she opened her mouth and breathed in and she came up coughing, coughing and sputtering. But she was saved because she did what God said to do. We need to do the same thing just like God said to do. And then there are still quibbles that will come up, but there are hypocrites in the church. Don't you understand that? I don't want to worship with people like that or like that or like that, and we'll point fingers at some of them. I want to be saved with saved people, not fallible people like we are. And here 
in the text, you come up with Gehazi, Gehazi, the servant of the prophet. Now, the Naaman comes back to him after he's dipped seven times and been healed. And he says, now, I brought gifts to you from my master. I brought gold and silver and changes of clothing and, and things like that. And you need to take some of this from my hand. And the prophet just says, no, 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 thank you. I'm, I'm happy the way I am. I've <laughs> what would you do if somebody said, I brought 10 new suits of clothes for you to take with you? Well, I can, I've only got room in my closet for four of them. Just give me four. We'd probably take all the gold and all the silver and all the clothes because we'll need them someday. But Elisha said, no, no, I'm, I'm happy the way I am. Just go on and be healed by God. And, oh, Gehazi gets to thinking about this. He's the servant now of the prophet. I don't know how much he was paid, but gold and silver means a lot to all of us. And so Naaman's on his way, and Gehazi's sitting back here thinking, I, he shouldn't get off scot-free. Everybody needs to pay something for the salvation that they get. And by the way, it's my master that healed him. I'll just go chasing after him, and he does. And he catches Naaman as he's on his way back home. And he says, and that there have been some guests have come to visit the prophet. And he, he needs a little bit of silver and a couple of changes of clothing for the prophet's servants and things like that. And he gets it. And Naaman is so generous about this that he sends his servants back with the servant of Elisha to carry all of this stuff. And they get to his house, to Gehazi's place, and he says, well, you just drop it off here and I'll disperse it to him later and you can go on back and join your master. And he does that and then he walks into the presence of Elisha and Elisha says, where have you been? And Gehazi says, nowhere. Should he have thought of a better lie? I didn't go anywhere. And the prophet said, did not my soul go with you? And I saw what you did. And the leprosy that's gone from Naaman is going to adhere to you. Do you know what to tell people when they say, you've got hypocrites in your church? There are hypocrites everywhere. Human nature, to avoid responsibilities, God will take care of the hypocrites. If you make it to heaven, you won't see the hypocrites there unless they've repented of that. God's going to take care of hypocrites. Gehazi, you've got leprosy. And you're going to die with leprosy. This is about each one of us. It's in the Gospel of John, the 21st chapter. Just let me read a couple of verses with you now. <clears throat> this follows on the heels of God's, uh, Jesus saying to Simon Peter, Simon, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus will ask him that question three different times. 
And then verse 18 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wish. But when you grow old, you'll stretch out your hand and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not want to go. Now this, he says, signifying the kind of death he, by which he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. And Peter turned around and saw John, I believe, and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. And he said to him, uh, as he leaned back on his bosom at the supper, Lord, who is the one that betrays you? So Peter, seeing John, said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said, if I will that he follows me until I come back, what business is that of yours? Do you understand what Jesus is saying there? He's saying, you take care of you. John will take care of John. God's going to take care of all of us. Yes, if we're faithful to him, he will. But we always want to look out and say, but, but what about him? What about her? Their sins are worse than mine. Surely I'm going to heaven. Aren't I? You take care of you and let John take care of John. And I think that's a lesson that all of us need. Because I want to look out and say, I'm so much better than they are. And we're right back here to Naaman. I'm a leper. I'm a sinner. God knows. And God's taken care of it. Now, will I allow him to take care of it in my life and you and yours? Because while we're all related to one another, brothers and sisters in the Lord, I'm responsible basically for my life. I'll help you if I can, but you're responsible for your life. And I just think there are lessons back there that all of us need to learn I appreciate your attention this morning, listening to me go on about somebody that you may or may not be aware of, Naaman, a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper who was healed because of his faith and his trust in God and because he did what God said for him to do. You're here this morning and you look at yourself and see that you are in any way subject to the invitation of our Lord. We'll ask you to come while I'm standing in this